The epistle reading is from Romans chapter 13. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and if there is any other commandment, are summed up in this statement, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, so love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this since you understand the present time. It is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost over, and the day is drawing near. So let us put away the deeds of darkness and put on the weapons of light. Let us walk decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual sin and wild living, not in strife and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not give any thought to satisfying the desires of your sinful flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. St. Paul says in our epistle reading, we should set aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Deeds of darkness, unfortunately, are woven into the warp and woof of us fallen sinful creatures. That is to say, we like to sneak around. Sneaking around is for when you don't want to be found out. You don't want prying eyes to see what you are doing, so you hide. What do you not want people to see? You might not want people to see what you are eating. Maybe mom or dad wouldn't want you to eat that. The only way you're going to get it is if you're going to sneak it. Maybe if people knew what or the amount that you were eating, they would judge or condemn you. Same thing is true with what you drink. Maybe you're too young to drink. If you drank, you'd be condemned. Or people would judge you for the amount that you drank. The desire to scratch the itch of lust can result in several hidden activities. We want to see what someone looks like under all those clothes. Adultery is committed in secret. Pornography and self-abuse is committed in secret. The easy access we have to pornography with our phones and computers is unprecedented. There has never been a time in the history of this world where there has been the ability to pour into our minds and souls such unheard of things. They call it streaming, and indeed it is like a river. There are signs that this river is changing the mental landscape of our people. Romance and courtship are dying because desires are being satisfied with pornography. Young people aren't 
seeking each other out. They aren't seeking each other out for marriage, which is what God wants us to do. But not only that, they aren't even seeking each other out for fornication, like in the good old days. What is wanted is satisfied with a few swipes and clicks. But to be more accurate, I should instead say what we think we want is satisfied. There is a certain kind of thrill that comes from doing things in secret. That which is drunk in secret is exciting. That which is eaten in secret tastes good. But there's a heavy price to pay. The conscience is defiled. We're disgusted by ourselves, what we've done. Plus, even the thrill itself has something missing from it. Allow me to speak some more about how we are to be with our sexual desires. I probably haven't given as much guidance on this issue as I should as a pastor. It's such a terrible problem, and there is hardly any good advice out there. I'd like to share something with you that a wise man once shared with me. He said that romance is like playing a game, and like all games... Romance has rules. Every game has to have rules. So how is this game of romance supposed to be played? First of all, boys and girls are supposed to remain chaste until they marry their wife or husband. Being chaste means that they don't gratify their sexual desires, either by themselves or with somebody else, who is not their lawfully wedded wife or husband. The goal of this game, so to speak, is an honorable marriage. And this game, by the way, is then going to result in children and a new family. Not an insignificant point, but we won't go into that today. A virgin boy and a virgin girl coming together in the marital union, is beautiful, high, and practically holy. It is very near the apple of God's own eye, the great procreator. Toward this end of coming together is a great game of romance that, may God grant it, continues within the marriage, but I'd like to speak about especially beforehand. The wonderful thing about this game is that so long as the rule of remaining chaste is kept until marriage, our natural desires are going to put us well on our way. It's similar to how our natural desire for food makes us ready for dinner. The game of the romance of boys and girls, men and women, is so wonderful that it has been written about and sung about for thousands of years. And in every game, there are triumphs and there are setbacks. And so it is with romance as well. Not all courtship will result in marriage. You'll break up, and that's painful. Experiencing love is exhilarating. 
There will be highs and there will be lows, and that's what makes this whole enterprise so interesting and captivating. But you can avoid these highs and lows, so to speak, by cheating. This is something that we remember from childhood. If you cheat at a board game, say, you greatly increase your chances of winning. In fact, you might just win automatically with the act of cheating. But there's quite a difference in the feeling that you have after winning a game fair and square and winning after knowing that you have cheated. And this is what I remember so well from that man who talked to me about romance being like a game. We all know that there is a world of difference between a man and wife romancing each other, maybe not always successfully, highs, lows, fights, and making up again. There's a world of difference between that and pornography, or hooking up, or moving in with each other. The rules of the game are not being kept. Sure, there's something of a win, but we all know that's cheating. And there's shame. And to one extent or another, therefore, it is kept in the dark. Ultimately, operating in the dark is always bad for us, even if it appears to hold out some possibilities for pleasure. Eating in the dark creates food addictions. Drinking in the dark creates alcohol addictions. Pornography creates pornography addictions. And all these things have good and natural, in fact, God-given desires behind them. What happens is that we get deceived. Temptation deceives. And through temptation, God's enemies deceive us and mislead us into false belief and despair and other great shame and vice. The worst, but also common, deception is that we have no other choice but to live in the dark. This is the worst deception because, like all good lies, it has some truth to it. If you only want to eat the way you want to eat, then you might have to do that in the dark. And if you only want to drink the way you want to drink, then you might have to do that in the dark. And if you want to gratify your lusts the way you want to gratify your lusts, then you might have to do that in the dark. Let me add some plausible-sounding arguments to that because this is so powerful in our day. You have no choice but to break the rules and live in the dark because everybody knows that the church is prudish. That's not true. Didn't I tell you that there's nothing more beautiful or wonderful than a virgin boy and a virgin girl coming together. There's even a book of the Bible that talks about that called Song of Songs. Such a union is even how God makes children. Or it's said that the requirement of getting married is too difficult and therefore impractical. Or that marriage can be hard And so you need to try it out first by living together to make sure that you're compatible. 
Well, that's like saying you will only ever want to play a game so long as you will always win. You never want to lose. You only want your will to be imposed. And that's not how marriage is. Marriage always is a leap of faith. Promising to have someone for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health is no joke. But you as Christians are not setting out on this venture all alone. God is there to see you through, even if it should not seem like it. It's not all that uncommon for newly married couples to go through some severe challenges. I know more than a couple who have found that the darkness was deepest just before the dawn. And what's the alternative to this adventure? The alternative is to not go on the adventure at all. Not waiting to see how God will make things turn out. The, the alternative is to break the rules and live in the dark. Realize that that is always the deceiver's goal. The, the devil wants you to believe that you have no other choice but to live in the dark. Darkness sadness, a bad conscience. Supposedly, that's just life. The darkness is not strange. The darkness is where you belong. It's the only place where you'll ever be happy. God's rules will always make you unhappy. So never think of them. You shouldn't even attempt to play the game because you'll always lose. The sooner that you accept how hopeless Christianity is, the more at peace you will be. So embrace your own thoughts and your own desires and coast into the ever-increasing darkness. Such a sad, sad song is how poor souls get serenaded as they drift off into the sleep of unbelief. This season of the church year, Advent, speaks differently. It speaks of waking up, of light. In Advent, we speak of Jesus' coming. In Jesus is hope and light. During our Wednesday Advent services, we sing, Jesus Christ is the light of the world, the light no darkness can overcome. Stay with us, Lord. For it is evening and the day is almost over. Let your light scatter the darkness and illumine your church. Make use of these Wednesday services. They're purposely offered to help you, not to hurt you, not to bore you. If you feel as though you have been deceived and are being deceived about the darkness, what better way to alleviate that than praying to Jesus, the light of the world, the light no darkness can overcome. Paul says in our reading that we should understand the times, understand the situation. Believe me, this darkened world is full of voices that want to keep you in the dark. In fact, even if you want to leave, they'll try to pull you right back in. Paul says, the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Because our salvation, that is, Christ's second coming, is nearer now than when you first believed in Jesus. 
The night is almost over, and the day is drawing near. So let us put away the deeds of darkness and put on the weapons of light. Let us walk without shame, as you would in the daytime, not in stuffing ourselves or drinking ourselves into a stupor, not in sexual sin, not with partying, not in ambition, not in jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not give any thought to how you can satisfy the desires of your sinful flesh. The light is coming. He already has come. Jesus has shown that the deceiver is a liar when he says you have no other choice but to live in the darkness, hiding your shame, hoping that what you've done in darkness will never come to light. It is also a blatant lie that you cannot have any fun unless you are living in darkness. Fine, I suppose there must be something fun about cheating, otherwise nobody would do it. But everybody knows that it is far better to win when you've been playing by the rules. Jesus has redeemed you, purchased you from the deceiver, from the devil. His is not the only game in town. His is not the only way a person can live. The darkness of hell is by no means inevitable for anyone. For Jesus has died for all. No matter how many deeds he or she has done in darkness, Jesus became darkness for us so that we would be made light in him. So maybe you have been sneaking around. Understand that you can't keep doing that without consequence. If you continue to love the darkness, you won't be fit for the light. You won't like the light. And the darkness, by the way, is lame and boring. The adventure of a life that is lived in God is better than the cheap thrills that are had by cheating. So let us put off the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. When you get hungry, thirsty, or lusty, may you look to the source and satisfier of these things. Look to God. Instead of sneaking around in the dark, he will give you better, healthier, more life-giving things. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, the light no darkness can overcome. Amen.